Welcome to American Snippets, your source for inspirational, motivational, and selfless stories and interviews from exceptional people across the nation. And now, here's your host, Barb Allen and Dave Brown. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the American Sippets Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on today's show. My name's Dave Brown. I'm your co-host here, along with my partner, Barbara Allen. Now, if you're a first-time listener, our mission here is to create a meaningful platform that encourages national pride, promotes the American dream, supports those who honorably serve, and spotlights all the extraordinary things everyday Americans, just like you, are doing to make this country a better place. It's our goal each week to feature stories that will not only inspire you, but propel you into action in your own life. Our guests are exceptional Americans who are giving back both in business and in everyday life, and their stories are compelling examples of positivity, possibility, and patriotism that can help you get one step closer to living your own American dream. Just like our guest today, his name is David Meadows, and from the coal town of Wheeling, West Virginia, to the hostile terrain of Afghanistan, and all the way into Hollywood, David Meadows follows his purpose wherever it takes him. David's story of staying true to your own path, regardless of what others say or how many challenges you face, has valuable lessons for anyone striving to maximize their own potential. He first followed his drive to serve by becoming a Navy SEAL. And after several deployments with the infamous SEAL Team 6, he was brought eye to eye with the worst of humanity while opening his eyes to the most vulnerable side of humanity. Now he's harnessing his strengths again and following his new purpose in the acting industry. From classical acting to blockbuster hits, his star is on the rise. Now, without further ado, here is Barbara Allen with Dave Meadows. Hi there. Welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. I am your co-host, Barb Allen. We are here today with David Meadows. He is a retired Navy SEAL, sniper Navy sniper, yes? Yes. Navy SEAL sniper. I feel like you can never have too many snipers on your side. So I'm super happy, happy to meet you and hope that you stay on my side. You have an extensive military background, which we are first going to say thank you for, because we truly appreciate that service. Um, And we we have great respect and understanding of what that entails um, to to our own degree. So thank you for that. Thank you. It was a pleasure to do it. And we are glad. uh, And yeah. I'm sure it was a pleasure in general. I know a lot of it is not te- like <laughs> actually a pleasure, but I appreciate you saying that. And I find it so interesting that so many of you who serve uh, do come back and s- tend to sort of downplay and almost minimize what you go through. And I don't want to like overplay and over dramatize it, you know, but um, I also want to always be sure that you guys um, really take a step in a moment and just appreciate for yourselves what you've done for us. And, you know, so because, you know, you deserve it. And I hope that. I'm glad to see people like you who come back and jump right into the into the world and take advantage of all the things you've all worked so hard to provide us the opportunity to do ourselves. So at that little kind of topsy-turvy intro, because I got carried away, which is what happens. <laughs> thank you for being on our show today. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. <laughs> it was uh, quite an adventure getting here. We are here now. Um, so can you tell me First off, uh, tell us just a little bit about your service. What what brought you into the military? What kept you in it and compelled to do everything you did in the military? You know, um, so I actually joined pre-9-11. Okay. I was in the military for about a year before uh, 9-11 happened and everything. And uh, 
I think it was just like this huge transition within the military yes. community of pre 9-11 military. And then one day and like everything changed mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of threw everything on its head. And um, so I joined the Navy uh, specifically right out of high school to be a SEAL and went to SEAL training, got about a third of the way through it, went through Hell Week and everything, ended up not working out for me. I ended up getting uh, dropped out of the program. And uh, then I was on my way to my next duty station, which is going to be Suda Bay, Creek, Greece. And when the, when the towers got hit. Okay. So I, my mom calls me. She freaks out. She's like, oh, you know, like, are you watching television? I'm like, no, I'm sleeping in, you know, like and she's like, no, turn it on. So I turn on the TV just in time to see the second tower get hit. Um, it, it was just, it was, it was just literally just changed. I mean, it changed the world, you know, it completely, did. but okay. especially being in the military at that time was just such a, you know, I mean, I just, it's, it's like, it's almost like the, uh, for if anyone's ever seen starship troopers and like, there's that scene in the yeah. beginning where like the, the, you know, the things get nailed with the bombs and everyone's running around like, we're going to war. Like it was that, you know, everyone's calling everyone going, what are we doing? You know, what's hell? You know, this kind of a thing. And, um, so then I went back to SEAL training, uh, after about a year and a half in Greece. So I went back to SEAL training, got through it that time, uh, ended up going over to SDB team two. Uh, SEAL delivery vehicle, Team 2, which is out in uh, Little Creek, Virginia. And uh, kind of fell into, everyone just kind of gravitates into what they naturally like in there. You know, so you have the guys that just do whatever. And uh, I just kind of fell into the reconnaissance side of things. I I didn't, um, I guess I wasn't quite as interested in like the door kicking, room clearing, you know, side of things, as opposed to the stalking, intel gathering, reconnaissance, long range kind of work. And uh, so I just kind of fell into that and ended up doing multiple deployments with that, uh, with SDB. And then uh, I was lucky enough, uh, uh, Dev Group, uh, SEAL Team 6, uh, invited me to come over and do reconnaissance work for them, all deployments, and um, as an augment, uh, to come and just kind of augment their reconnaissance force. And uh, I went and did that for a few deployments to Afghanistan and uh, had a fantastic time. A was, fantastic uh, was, time. <laughs> yeah, it was great. You know, it was like going to Kennywood. It was awesome. You outlined your service, which people in the military, I think will be able to track people outside of the military will sit back and try to pause and, and have a, some sort of glimpse of what that all entails. And, uh, yeah, she had a lovely time in Afghanistan. I'm sure. Um, it was, <laughs> it was charming. I hear it's lovely this time of year. It is. It's so good. Um, so is there a moment of your service that, uh, you can remember any, any incident, any interaction with a civilian over there or a fellow, a service member or something that sticks out in your head. I, sometimes I talk to people, I know a lot of veterans, people who have served, sometimes people from, you know, World War II. And it seems like so many people have this, you know, one or a few moments that they just remember. Some of you want to talk about, some you don't, but are there any in your head that strike you that you'd be willing to share? Yeah. You know, there was a, there was a point, um, there was a point on one of my uh, one one operation that I went out on, and we were out there, and you know, uh, basically getting into it with these uh, with these Taliban guys, and I, I guess in my mind, I had always kind of written off the society, like everybody in Afghanistan sure. hated us, you know, like it, it's just easy to get into that, and especially when you're at like a SEAL team level, because you don't see anybody outside of operations. You know, okay. we don't do hearts and minds. We're not out there, you know, patrolling the villages. It's like the only time I see people, I'm working. 
you know, kind of a deal. So it's, 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 you know, so it's very easy to just kind of disassociate yourself mm-hmm. with everybody. And I remember there was one operation that we went on and we got in this big, big fight. And, um, you know, a lot of guys came in there and all this other kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, we ended up, uh, we ended up <clears throat> going through quite a few, uh, Taliban fighters. And when we got done, we started to talk to the innocent civilians in the town and everything. And I will never forget how a couple of the women and the children literally ran over and hid behind us. Like they were so scared uh, because we had thought, I mean, it's easy to think you're like, well, we just, you know, we just shot like their neighbors or their friends or whatever. But it's important to realize that a lot of times it really is true that some they're, they're being hurt the most, you know, by these people. Sometimes they're the ones being terrorized on a daily basis. Um, because a lot, a lot of times what you find is that particular opposition like that, you know, guerrilla fighters and Taliban guys and all that kind of stuff, they're, 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 they're bullies, man. You know, they push people around, they, they know who they can mess with and who they can't. And 99 times out of a hundred, they don't want to fight us. They want to fight people that they can win against Yeah, kind of, a, you know, so it was really interesting to see that where we went in there expecting to basically get done with this gunfight and then to have the civilians, you know, fling shit at us or something like that. Yeah, like whatever. And the total opposite happened, you know, and the people were just very grateful, basically, that we had came because, I mean, God only knows what the Taliban were doing to them before we showed up, you know, kind of a party. And so I think that that was a huge eye-opener to me that uh, people really are just people all the way around the world, you know, and most people just want to live and not be terrified. Yeah. And they want what's best for the children and for their families and themselves. Um, You know, we, we have gotten to know, I got to know somebody, his name is Hamidi Jassim and he is from Iraq. He was born and raised in Iraq. And he, when he was 11 years old, he was in an Iraqi prison and like, you know, that kind of story and friends and family killed under the regime and he grew up to become like one of the youngest officers in the Iraqi military and one of our greatest assets in the United States intelligence over there. And he says the same thing that, uh, and for me, this was very important. So I'm, I'm actually so glad you just said this because now you've given me an opportunity to repeat this message, which I think so many people, uh, especially family members, I don't know if you know, I'm a surviving spouse. I lost my husband in Iraq uh, in 2005. And for me, when I got to meet Hamidi, and now for a lot of other people who maybe have lost somebody in Afghanistan or Iraq, hearing somebody like you come back and remind us that it does matter, it did make a difference, you know, because a lot of the media stories that we get, that we see, this war is terrible, we need to end, you know, we just hear, and, and it can make you kind of question and doubt, like, what did we lose this person we love so much for if it was for nothing? So when somebody yeah. comes back who is there and sort of validates the service and the sacrifice. Um, it's good for us to hear that, you know, for you that you feel it was worthwhile, but it's a reminder that I love to be able to share to all my fellow community of gold star families, you know, who lost somebody in their family that it was not meaningless. Um, and you know, whatever we're facing for the rest of our lives, it had a point and a purpose. And when somebody can give that to us, you know, like when somebody can give purpose to your loss or your struggles, it sort of empowers you. So I thank you for saying that um, and letting me remind people of that. Give me the opportunity to, to go into that again. It's good. And so thank, thank you. And, and, and thank you for your incredible service of your family and the sacrifice. And he did tell me that story just uh, 
I mean, I, I, my, my heart goes out to you on that and everybody who has paid the ultimate price in, in supporting all these things. It's, you know, um, sometimes when I, on, on that note, sometimes when I would talk with, um, other people, you know, I have a great amount of friends, you know, of all different walks of life and, yeah. you know, I'm in the entertainment industry now. So I, so I meet with a lot of those people and, um, a common question that uh, that people often ask is they're like, God, man, you know, how can you, how are you okay with, you know, the, uh, you know, with, with going over there and doing that job or, you know, like, and it's not that they're not supportive of the truth. They just can't really understand why somebody would choose that walk yeah. of life, you know, um, because in, in, in what a lot of people see is a life of violence and a life yep. of, you know, like just you know, going around doing all this stuff. And I literally turn around. I say, Hey, let me ask you this. We're push come to shove. What would you not do to protect your family or your loved ones or those closest to you? And really, once we start getting down to it first, you know, people will be like, well, you know, there's always another answer. I was like, what if there wasn't, what if there was absolutely no choice that one of your friends or family or children or parents or so on and so forth, were going to be harmed or killed unless you stopped it, what would you do to stop it? And they're like, well, I guess I would do anything. I said, so the, really the only dance, the only difference between you and I then is I'm willing to do it for your family. Yeah. Everybody's Perfect. willing to do it for their own military. People are willing to do it for families. They'll never meet. Yeah. That's the difference. And oftentimes families that we think hate us, you know, we mm -hmm. still go out there and do that same thing. And that's really what it meant to me. It does. And I'm, I'm glad you said that too. And then you just touched on something else. Um, you know, you said, you're an actor now. You're in the entertainment business now, uh, which is quite the leap. But I get that. I, <laughs> I have I have a bachelor's in equestrian science, and look where I am. Right. So we sometimes yeah. life kind of takes us different directions. But you have made that leap, and I'm really excited to talk about that too. I also want to talk about uh, break it down a little bit because a lot of people, I'm sure you're familiar with, uh, veterans come out of service and feel like they lose their purpose, and it can be. When the ground falls out from underneath you, no matter what it is in your life, for me, it was losing my husband. That was my purpose. The ground fell out from underneath me. Everything I was used to doing, what I thought my life was going to be, changed. And I I fell for a little bit, right? Uh, and some people are able to make that leap a little quicker when everything that they've done, that they think they're doing, suddenly changes, whether through their own accord or not. When you come back and you feel like, now what? Like, what am I, you have all this energy and these skills and this inclinations. You don't know what to do with them. Some people fall. You found your path in the entertainment industry, uh, which is super fascinating because I think I heard you on another podcast. You're a classically trained actor. You're like Navy sniper turned classic trained actor, which is just a hilarious picture in your head almost, even though it's not, I know it's not funny, but it's cool, right? It's very unique. It's very unique. Yeah, it's, it's, it's different. That's for sure. So, um, you know, how was that? How were you able to come home and suddenly, I don't know, did you just, inst were you just instinctively able to kind of regroup and recalibrate and adjust your path accordingly? I mean, did you have this clear vision? Was it a struggle to find that, that path? Well, well, I never, I, uh, it took me a while to find acting. It took me about a year. I kind of meandered for like a year. I was working for a big fortune 500 company. I hated it. You know, there, like yeah. I just, I yeah, I was just like, okay, corporate life is not, not so much, yeah. like not for me, not my thing, you know, like whatever cubicles, not cool. Um, but, uh, you know, so it took me a while to find acting, but I think what the, uh, what the difference was, um, and one of the things that whenever I work with other guys that are coming out of the military or they're on that path or whatever, and they're going, Oh man, you know, because sometimes, like you said, 
people feel like they have a skill set or whatever that they've been trained in or or whatever, and that it's not necessarily relevant anymore, yes. you know, yes. or like, especially if they try to do something else, they say, oh, shit, dude, I've got this skill set. But if I don't want to do something that's specifically in line, like I'm not using guns or whatever the case is anymore, what do I do with it? It's basically like I don't have anything. I need to start over. And I'm like, dude, actually, you do. I try to get people. And I think this is one of the things that actually occurred to me early on was that me moving forward into another path of life. It wasn't that I not even obviously being an actor has nothing to do with the same technical skill set that I had as a SEAL. You know, I'm not shooting guns and jumping out of planes and everything anymore. But it has so much overlap in that dedication, hard work, you know, doing the work, taking the long path, going and getting training, like X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z, doing that kind of thing um, is really what I think is what military vets can really take into the world because they don't sometimes realize that they have this incredible amount of dedication and how rare that is in the civilian sector. Like they yes. have accountability, yeah. they have dedication they have you know responsibility they have ethics they have all this stuff and then they're like well yeah but that's just this and like you don't you don't get that that's that's the secret because if you have that people will teach you to do anything else you know like it's most jobs really aren't that hard in the world you know it's not just, compared to what you have done ex- exactly yeah um so and actually that's a that's a super point um i'm going to a conference next weekend where i'm speaking at a transition a strategy and career summit for veterans. And that's one of the key points that I'm trying to, to convey to them. And I, like, I haven't served, right. But it can be, you just somehow seem to have figured that out. And I think there are some people who come out of service and are able to, to hang on to everything that you just said. And some people who maybe don't see it at first and get lost. So that message over and over and over again, I think as many times we can get that message out, will help uh, as many of our transitioning veterans as we can. So, um, I'm going to, I'm going to use that. Maybe I'll play you a little clip when I do one of my talks, um, because it's important, you know, and it's helpful and coming from me means one thing, right. But coming from somebody else, uh, is another entirely. And, uh, and I'm so glad to, to hear you say that. What would be your advice maybe to somebody who has gone through some sort of enormous change in their life like that, right? Whether the career switch or a marriage breaks up or something, something that just drops out from under them. And they're sort of facing that gap now, that void and feeling as if they maybe are not going to be able to leap through it. I think, I think when it, when those kind of things happen, and especially when you talk about something like, you know, a marriage, you know, coming out or something, it's just like this totally different level. But I think what it really is, is whenever we have these massive paradigm shifting events in our life that's when it's really important to look back and rediscover who we are for example in your case you were married to an incredible man but that was because of the incredible person that you are that you had that wonderful marriage so even when unfortunately that marriage was taken from you you still have that core part of yourself that led you to have that you know um, in, in, in my case, yes. And when I, when I step out of the SEAL teams, but the SEAL team didn't make me who I was, I already was who I was. And that's why I was able to become a SEAL. Like, so even when I separate from the SEAL thing, I still have that core aspect that's going to lead me to success or it's going to lead right. you to right. happiness and, and things, other places. And I think that that's what really is the key to getting through big things like that 
is that when that huge thing happens to us and it makes us step apart, we have to look back on why we got to where we were at. And then have you ever seen the old, um, there's, uh, I, I love it. There's that study all the time when so many people who come from nothing become millionaires, mm-hmm. lose all their money, and then they'll become millionaires again, lose it again, and become it again. And it's like most people think, oh, God, if I could ever become a millionaire, I'd have it made. But most millionaires are like, ah, I'll make it again because they know they can't. They know like, they can't. They, they know they can't. Yep. So even when the money gets stripped from them, they're just like, ah, whatever, I'll just, I'll just do it again. And, and they can. And I think that it's, that's really what people need to focus on is focusing on the core aspect that makes them who they are rather than an achievement or something else, you know, that's kind of there. Love it. So are you involved now? Do you tell us about your classical training? And I know, again, I heard you talk about this in in another interview and I would like our community to hear it as well, because it's so interesting. You come from, you know, from the battlefield, uh, from service, and you have to just like now go into classical training, which I don't know many people who do in the first place, you know, let alone coming out of your background. How did you, was there any big moment in that, in that training that you thought like, Oh man, I don't know if this is for me or were you just constantly like, hell yeah, man. Well, I think that it was, um, there wasn't a point when I thought, Oh, this isn't for me, but there was a point when I just, was really, really, really frustrated. I didn't know how, I did not know what to do at all. I was just lost. I was failing miserably at it. I I just had no idea and I couldn't figure out why that was. And I had to basically kind of discover what, what I was doing wrong in the whole process. And the fact of the matter was, is I was approaching theater training, like I approached SEAL training they're just the total cardinal opposite thing. It's not something that you can tough out and beat down. It's a complete different mentality, you know? And I think that that's really is, um, I, I learned a lot about myself and I think I learned a lot about humanity and the way that we learn as human beings and we take on new skills because the fact of the matter is the way that you train an actor is not the same as the way that you train a star athlete or uh, an MIT engineer. Like right. it's not right. the same thing. Because you're literally accessing different parts of your brain to absorb that training. So if you're trying to, if you're used to training as an athlete, like let's say, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, now I'm going to go and, you know, I'm going to go learn this, go to medical school or something like that. You you can't apply the same no. techniques no. of learning it to different ones. It just doesn't literally work. So I think that that was the big eye-opening set, uh, situation for me was to step back and say, wait a minute everything I need to relearn how to learn. If that makes sense. It does. Like I, it does. I need to learn how to learn something new. That's vastly different. And I need to teach myself that before I can teach myself the skill set. And so I think that that's what it did. And as soon as I was able to do that, that's when those doors ended up opening up for me. And then I went up to, uh, I went to New York and I trained, um, at a place that's called the studio of New York, uh, which is the, um, uh, the actor center up there. And, uh, then I was fortunate enough that I got, uh, requested to come over to Prague and train with the Prague Shakespeare company and some members. of the How World did that Shakespeare. happen? <laughs> one of my, uh, one of my first acting teachers actually got hit up by them and they asked her to go over there. And if she knew of anybody that would be interested in coming with her. And so she hits me up and she's like, Hey, would you want to come to Prague and do Shakespeare for like two months? And I'm like, bags packed, plane, <laughs> let's go, you know? Um, 
so so that's it's just kind of it's literally just connections you know just fell into yep. the situation there and i had just an incredible time you know running around europe and learning with all these great people and it kind of it was just it was just a it was it was one of those experiences that literally changed my life you know kind of going over there and doing that and you can't come back and see the world the same as one before i got on the plane yeah perfect um so do you stay in touch with anybody from the military? Do you track it down, see how each other's doing in the career? Or is it something like when you left, you just left? Do you know any other veterans in the acting field? Or are you just kind of standing alone in there? Well, both, actually. I know I still know a lot of the guys that I was active duty with. You know, I still hang out with them and uh, talk to them, you know, pretty much at least weekly. And um, then inside, there is a very large veteran community now in the entertainment Matter of fact, there's an industry called uh, Veterans and Media and Entertainment, VME, um, that kind of serves to link those people up, everybody who has served of one capacity or another and now is pursuing some sort of a work inside of uh, the industry. Um, so I'm very active over there, and that's linked me up with a ton of great guys and um, seeing where everybody's path is actually going down. It's fun, right? Or it can be fun to see... Like where yeah, everybody's I mean, landing. Yeah. And it's, it's this, it's especially in the entertainment industry because there's no one path through the industry. You know, I mean, it's just so amorphous and out there and uh, to see how people choose to tackle it and, and if it works for them or if it doesn't and all this different kind of stuff is just really like a fascinating deal, you know, and it, it's, it's interesting to be able to see five people all in a room together talking and one person has, gotten necessarily very far and then the other people maybe not so much and just really figure out why that is and you know and how people can help one another to to um to kind of follow their path and, and accomplish whatever they're set out to do nice so um i our paths cross because we have a mutual friend annie nelson who is very involved um in in a lot of work on behalf of military and veterans are you also involved with any of these organizations did you stay in touch or does it does it trickle down into your world? Do you have any thoughts on on the efforts of these organizations? Have you have you come across one that's more impactful than another? Well, yeah, um, I, I do. Any time that anybody um, reaches out to me for help of any you know to support or any of that kind of stuff, any of those charitable events or anything like all the stuff that Annie does, I'm on. I'm totally on board. I'm a huge believer in giving back, you know, and helping anybody out um, in any way I possibly can, you know, and just kind of spreading the good energy. Um, I'm a I'm a big believer that if you do a lot of work in your life and you try really hard, the right people will come into your life at the right times or whatever, and if you have to be prepared for it, right? I mean, you can't just be sitting back and be like, "Oh, they're here to rescue me now," you know. But it's if you've done the work. You'll cross paths with people that are also doing the work and it'll happen for you. Um, and that's happened to me so many times where people have been there for me when I really needed help, you know, to, to figure something out. I had a mentor that helped me get into the SEAL teams. Um, my mentor, Julie, that helped me go over to Prague and, and helped me open up my eyes, like all that stuff. So I think it's my job to be that for other people at this time, you know, and to kind of pass that along. So I'm, I'm super involved in, in whatever projects I can be. Nice. Um, nice to help you well. So your acting career now, you what's what's in the in the books for you? What are your plans? Do you have any projects going on that you're, well, you're open to yeah. talking about? 
Yeah, I mean, I can't get into too many. I actually just wrapped my first leading role in a new uh, SAG feature film. That will be. It is a sci-fi drama, and it will be coming <laughs> to a very. Your face when you just thought about it. Your <laughs> face was just enough. You're like, that's a uh, yeah, okay, that's great. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> so it's a sci-fi drama that will yeah. be coming to a very popular streaming service in the near future. How about that? <laughs> Love it. So uh, yeah, it's a mystery. Um, but yeah, anybody can anybody who's listening can just check out any of my social media stuff and stay up to date. And of course, when get released, all that stuff will be going to premiere and all that. Um, and then I've I've got uh, three other movies that I'm supposed to be working on in between now and January or so. So we're uh, so they're all in pre-production. So we'll see how that actually pans out. And uh, I have a TV show as well that's called Age of the Living Dead that already had a European release, and uh, now it will be coming to for an American release. Uh, also on a very popular streaming service uh, within the next couple months, hopefully. <laughs> very careful. You could be a, a politician in your next life if you keep <laughs> yeah, continuing well. to learn how to speak so carefully and guardedly. Yeah. Well, uh, people, uh, <laughs> yeah, people get people get testy with all that stuff. <laughs> it's, it's I know, weird. I know. I just like teasing you because. Uh, I'm not on that end and I can't, I'm not the one that has to be careful saying this stuff. So it's yeah, you say whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I usually do. I usually do. All right. So how is it even possible? How do you work on three movies at once? Do you get like some sort of identity crisis going on? Is it, do you like keep track, keep track of like, do you forget who you are and what character and what day? Or do you mean like you go consecutively? Well, well it, it actually, I do at times. Um, it's not that I forget which, because I don't, you don't film the movies overlapping, but of course I do start working, working on, on yeah. them. Yeah. I start working on them well ahead of time before we ever, because I mean, as an actor, um, 90% of the work that we do as actors needs to be done well before you're ever on a set, yeah. you know, and it's all of the personalization and discovery and the scripts, uh, the scene study, all that other kind of thing. And, um, just the way that my process works. And, uh, I would, I would say I'm very, very method. Um, so it's easy for me to start, for example, when I watch after when I, when I'm working on a character or a role, I may find out, Oh, this guy, you know, this person is very, very religious, like let's say, okay. you know, in, in the role and it influences everything they do and all this other kind of stuff. So the only way for me to really encompass that, I really need to start going to church a lot. And I need to start reading all, you know, the the Bible, for example, you know, or whatever the case is. So I kind of pull myself into that because I think it makes it easier for me to discover who this character is and figure them out and, and where they're coming from and really empathize with them. And by doing that, that changes you, you know, because just imagine if today, you know, if I told you you're going to start dancing five, you know, five times a day, every, every single day, you know, and yeah. kind of going in, you're going to live, live the life of a dancer. It's, it's going to change you. It's going to change how yeah. you your body. It's just slowly going to get into you all the time. It's, it's just like that. And um, so, yes, there are times when um, I've been working on roles in the past and then a friend or family has come over to me and be like, dude, I can't wait for you to be done with this role because you're, <laughs> you're, you're being weird right now. You know, it's just like one of those kind of things. And it's true. Um, so I think that there's that, that overlap process, too, when I'm working on one role and then I'm working on another one. And unfortunately, I might not have that much time in between them that there's like an overlap period, you know, where it's like confusion. Kind of, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just uh, there's still it's like there's there's like shadows, I guess you could say, or like echoes okay. of the uh, of the role or the character that are still kind of living on. Um, 
as I'm as I'm working on something else. If that makes sense in some weird way, it does. Know? It does. That's what. That's why I asked. Um, yeah. So when you told people that you were going to leap, you know, come out of the military, and you came home and you said, "Hey, guess what? I'm going to be an actor." What was yeah. the What was the reaction? Were people supportive? Were they like? What? Yeah. <laughs> Why? You're an idiot. They you all know? thought like, you were going to yeah. be a cop or a yeah, security. Yeah. 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 Um, and, you know, it's just, it, yeah, it, it was very much not, except for a couple, um, a couple people that I knew uh, that I was decent friends with, but not like the best of friends with. Um, but for whatever reason, I just kind of sensed that they would understand it. Mm-hmm. And so they were actually some of the first ones that I reached out to and talked to about the whole thing for advice and to kind of figure it out. And I, and then through that process, we become super close, you know, now it's just, I think it was just that time and a place, you know, where we all of a sudden had a mutual interest that was going on there. Um, that kind of rekindled our friendship. Um, but for the most part, nobody understood it at all. People just weren't really, you know, uh, Something must uh, have happened to him over there. Yeah. <laughs> he must have got, yeah, you know, he must have got like, in the head. Yeah. 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 Because I guess, I guess, uh, you know, especially at the time, I just did not come across as what people perceived as being the typical actor. Yeah. So they were like, well, what? That doesn't make sense. That's not going to happen. You know, like, you know, they just couldn't really fathom it, you know, and then, you know, six years later, here we are <laughs> still, still going down. So, so how did that uh, go? I mean, uh, what? Did you have to kind of like mentally kind of block yourself from what people who weren't getting it were saying? Because I come across this too, and people come and, and ask us stuff. And this is what we try to help people work through in their own lives. Uh, the power of proximity, you know, is what we talk about a lot and who you surround yourself with. And if you have a vision, you have a dream, it's something you know it's right. And everybody around you is like, what? You know, you're crazy. Why would you do this? Or telling you why you're going to fail. It can yeah. really kind of screw you up in the head, right? So, absolutely, yeah. and uh, you're you're totally right, totally, totally right. It was one of those things that I just kind of had to sit there and say, you know what, this is what I want to do. And um, actually, <clears throat> going into, uh, I'm a big believer that um, in order to grow, that one of our one of the best things that we can ever try to do in life is to grow as a human being, as a well-rounded, like yeah. full yeah. human being, you know. And different people start from different places. We all have our individual backgrounds and upbringings and experiences and all that. But then, too, that was one of the reasons that I got out of the teams after a decade and that I moved over. I kind of felt like whatever I was needed out of that experience, wherever I needed to get that 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 part of me myself that I needed to satisfy by doing that, yeah. it was done. You know, so it wasn't really something that I needed to stay and do more and more and more of. And so I chose a completely opposite path to kind of explore a different part of myself, if, if, if you will. And so I think that through that discovery of really my acting has really been about more discovering more sections of myself and figuring different things out between myself and my friends and family and relationships and all that. And so in order to, so through that process, I have gotten just a massive amount of growth and, and the self-awareness. And one of the biggest things that we had to come to, and I would encourage anyone listening to think about it, is to really understand it's your life. It's mm-hmm. not your friends. It's not your families. It's not anybody else. It is your life. So God's sakes, don't live it for somebody else. You know, Don't do what other people want you to do. 
or whatever. I'm obviously saying if you have trusted people that are saying, I think you're hurting yourself, then I'm not saying don't listen to them, but I'm just saying if you truly believe in something yourself and nobody else understands it, that's okay. They don't need to understand it. You could just go do it. And if you truly believe to yourself that you're doing it for the right reasons and that it's, it's coming from a good place, then you should absolutely do it because at the end of the day, it's your life, you know, and nobody else's and no one else has the right to tell you how to live it and you shouldn't bow down to it. You know, there were plenty of people. I mean, ironically, when I told people I wanted to be a SEAL, everybody told me the same thing. No, you're an idiot. Nobody makes it into that program. Nobody's going to do this. No oh, yeah. going to do that. You know, like all that stuff, right? Great. You get all the Great. negative Nancys and everything. And then here I am, you know, and here are plenty of other people. So it's, it's anybody who's listening on this. Uh, yeah. Follow your dream. Do what you want to do and don't take the safe route because at the end of the day, the safe route just leads you to the path where everybody else is already at, you know, and that's the one that keeps you up at night going, man, I wish I had, or I wish I had tried or, or whatever the case is. Nice. So one thing we talk about a lot here on American Snippets, you know, patriotism, positivity, positivity, possibility, patriotism is what we talk about. We emphasize a lot on the American dream and it was important to us, important to me to follow out, you know, follow through on that and find it, you know, in my own life. And now we help other people chase that down in their lives too. A lot of people say it's dead. They laugh like it's a cliche. And um, I, I get a lot of people mocking me for saying that. Um, I don't really care because I feel like that just makes me want to work harder uh, to prove yeah. that it, that it's still there. Right. But um, so I'm always curious, especially from the people who have served to know, uh, you know, we like to ask what, what does the American dream mean in your head? If I said to you, what is the American dream? I think the American, the American dream to me, I mean, it, it may sound cliche, but I think it is the idea and the truth that if you work hard enough, you can make your life what you want it to be. Now, am I saying everyone's going to go be a billionaire or an astronaut or the president or whatever the case is? Not necessarily. But what I am saying is that your limits are your own. They are things that you put on you to yourself. You know, I can't tell you how many people I personally know that have quote unquote grown up in with all of the riches and like everything was well off. And now they're nowhere, you know, because they didn't do anything with it. And the vice versa, the people that basically were shit on at birth, they had nothing going on. They were the people that you would look by the numbers and say, Oh, they're, they're never, you know, they're, they're never going to ever get anywhere. And now they're running their own company and they're doing this and they're doing that. And they're providing opportunities for other people to get out of those things. And I'm like, and the only difference was them. Yep. It was the work that they were willing to do and the risks that they were willing to take and then being willing to step up every single morning and saying, I want something more for myself. I want to, I want to do it, you know, and, and go out. Um, have you ever watched uh, David Goggins? Oh my gosh. Of course I have. I love that David, guy. Yes. So David, were, <laughs> David and I were in buds together. We oh. went to SEAL training together. Oh yeah. And I think he absolutely, I think he encompasses it so well. He's like, he's stuff. the extreme though. Sometimes he'll no. be live streaming. He's on like his 2000th push up or lunge or something. I'm like, Oh my God, please stop. But I, but I tell you, I think I, I met him for like 30 seconds one time after the Patriot tour. And I read that book that Jesse Itzler wrote living with the seal, you know, but, uh, yes, I think he's, 
but he's like I, I'm not even sure he's human. I think he might be like part other species. He's part or robot. Something. He is part <laughs> robot. Something. He's always like, been like that. Yeah, he's holy part robot. Crap. But yeah, I'm sorry um, to interrupt. But yeah, even see, even his <laughs> name, I'm like, oh my god, yeah, that guy is like he just intense. Yeah, carry yeah. on. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there you go. Yeah. So so yeah, anybody else who's listening on this, also check out David Doggett. He's he's got a great message that he's going on. But that's really his message. Yeah. Isn't it, he's not out there saying, Oh, look how awesome I am, is whatever it's his point is he's like, dude, I'm no better than anybody else. I just wanted it more. And that's really the fact, you know. Yeah. Um, there's a lot in this world that we cannot control. The vast majority of it, you know, who you're gonna meet, what's gonna happen. There's so much shit that we just can't control in this world. And it's not fair. Life's not fair. It's just not. Nope. But the one thing that you can control is a hundred percent in any single human being's control is what they choose to do with their time and the attitude that they take into the world. And that really is the big thing. Bad shit's going to happen to everybody. The only thing that separates people who got beat down by it and people who overcame it is their attitude towards it. That's it. That is, that's the secret, you know? Um, And it's totally a choosable thing for any single human being. So I, I think that that's, I don't know if that's one thing that I try to live by every single day. It's that is I, anytime that something happens to me, you know, whatever it is, I look back and I, and I try to just look at it no matter how mad I am about it or happy about it or whatever. But I sit there and look at it and I say, you know what, let me look at it in the context of my life. How big of a deal is it really? Mm-hmm. And what can I do about it now? It's done. It's over. Okay. What can I do now? What choice can I make moving forward there? And I do that. And 99 times out of 100, it works out fine. You know, it's not nearly as bad as what you thought it was going to be, right? Yeah, you know, there could be something almost liberating about going through something so totally shitty and something that you may think is unsurvived. And for me, it was like not a literal sense in that I could, or it almost was a literal sense, right? But I mean, I wasn't in, in actual, you know, mortal situations like you were. But when you go through something and you come out of it, something that maybe you, you didn't think you were going to come out of, and that tested you so deeply and it didn't wind up breaking you and you're on your path again, it, it can be almost like, well, what is the worst that could happen? Like, fucking bring yeah. it, right? Like, I, so I'd yeah. fail. So people laugh at me like, who? So what? <laughs> yeah. Right. But so I think sometimes maybe people who have not been tested to their maximum or to what they believe is their maximum, who if you haven't been tested, if you haven't pushed yourself, I think they may be almost at a disadvantage because that is their test, right? That is their test, like that fear of being laughed at or going up on stage or something. So if you've been tested beyond what you're doing now, I think you're years ahead of maybe somebody who hasn't had that challenge. And and here's a secret. Here's something that I've discovered as well. And for anybody who's listening, we all talk about that. You know, people don't want to take a risk because they're scared of failing or they're scared that people will laugh at them or they'll think they're stupid or whatever the case is. I can say this without a shadow of a doubt. Most all the time, the people that would laugh at you or shit talk you for doing it are secretly wishing they had tried it yep. or they're just nerve. They don't, they want to laugh because they don't want you to be braver than them and to go do something that they're scared to do or whatever the case is. People who have tried and succeeded or failed, they will almost never laugh at anybody trying nope. because they know how hard it is and how much courage it actually takes just to step up and say, you know what, this may not work out well, but I'm going to go for it anyway. And I'm going to try this thing. And yeah. So anybody who would laugh at you for doing that, their opinion doesn't matter. Nope. Like, you know, 
Not at all. All right. I'll wrap it up with the last um, question or two and let you go. If you could meet anybody, if we could dial up someone now and send them to your, uh, I think you're in a hotel room, send them to wherever you are right now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe but, a coffee shop. Wait, or, or a coffee shop. I'm like, wait a minute, this is sounding wrong, right? All right. So forget it. I'm going to say, if we could call up anyone, you could meet them this afternoon and hang out for the rest of the afternoon. Somebody you have not met now, ever. Oh, man. You know, who would that be and why? Um... I would like to meet Trump, All President right. Trump. As a matter of fact, I would really, really, really like to, um, and, and because I think that there's just something very fascinating. Uh, actually, him or one other cardinal opposite individual, um, him or Elon Musk, would yes. be two of my favorite people. That cardinal, totally opposite men, that I would absolutely love to sit down and drink a beer with and have a have a meal with and just. Because I think that the way that their brains work is fascinating. It is fascinating. To like, like them or hate them, you know, whatever the case is. But the fact of the matter is they do things to their own beat of their drum. Mm-hmm. And they do things unique unto themselves. And I mean, it's hard to argue with the success, you know, in the world as well. Um, so I would really like to sit down and just kind of get a better understanding of who they are and, and how they see the world. Yeah, perfect. I mean, either way. You, you can learn something from everyone, and yeah, I'm with you. I'd, I'd have a beer with either of those guys. I even buy the beer <laughs> to hang yeah, out with either all, of those, the <laughs> whatever it is they're drinking. Yes, um, yeah. so perfect. Thank you so much for taking the time to to hang out and be a part of American Snippets, and for going to the effort you went to to make this all line up and work. And thank you for your service and sharing your message. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing your work come out when you can actually share it publicly yeah. and we get to to see you and we'll blast it out everywhere. Meantime, if people want to follow you so they can be sure to to know exactly where you're up to to maybe stalk you a little bit legally yep. online. Um where <laughs> where can they find you online? I love stalkers. Um, <laughs> oh, be so careful. they can either check me out okay. on a, <laughs> they can either check me out on a Facebook at David Meadows, um Instagram on at Meadows DB uh, or on my website at www.davidbmeadows.com. Perfect. Thank you again so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you for your, uh, your sacrifice and your whole family. Thanks. Hey, what's going on? Dave Brown here again. And just wanted to thank you for being on today's show. Thanks for you know spending some time with us and listening in to David's story. Uh, I'd like to personally thank David Meadows as well for taking the time to be here today. If you want to learn more about David Meadows, visit his website, davidmeadows.com. You can also follow him on Instagram. His Instagram handle is meadowsdb. We also did a full featured article on David Meadows. You can watch the entire video that we did with him as well. And you can check all that out at americansnippets.com forward slash zero five six if you got some value out of today's episode please comment subscribe leave us a review on your favorite podcast app uh, tag us in social media on twitter instagram facebook at american snippets uh, tell a friend let them know you know what we're doing here and how we're looking to spread our message of positivity possibility and patriotism across the country Again, we appreciate you being here today. And remember, don't just be inspired by our guests. Let their stories propel you into action in your own life. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are. We'll see you next time. 